0: Alright ladies and gents, you are back, you are locked in to Never Out of Bounce, and this is your host as always, El Jamal. We are getting near to the end of the week, so we're going to get it right with the word on the street. And I don't want to make this necessarily uh, or outright an anti-Trump platform, but I will report the news as it comes. And it just so happens that this guy is a polarizing figure. Um, i'm never i've personally in my twenty seven years of life really my fifteen cognizant years of really you know researching or being able to do you know gather facts and stuff like that i personally myself never seen somebody uh with this much drama uh with him, but as usual he's added another you know another uh Person to his beef list. Now this is not your Amorosa, and this is not your regular former, you know, foreign dignitary. Excuse me. This just so happens to be his attorney general's, Jeff Sessions. Now they are at odds recently because of the recent Department of Justice uh, handling of the Robert Mueller case. Uh, basically. Jeff Sessions has decided to walk away from being a lead investigator and kind of just let the Department of Justice and uh, the Mueller investigation play itself out. Uh, he was supposed to be somebody, you know, definitely in Trump's corner in his favor. Uh, so Trump, of course, as he always does, has taken the Twitter and other media to, you know, basically trash his uh his new his new beef partner. And this is his newest quote uh, referring to sessions. He goes, and by the way, he was on the campaign. You know, the only reason I gave him the job, because I felt loyalty. He was an original supporter. He was on the campaign. He knows there was no collusion. And what's come from what's come out of Manafort? No collusion. What's come out of Michael Cohen? No collusion. False. To what he just said, I've obviously already we obviously already know uh, the Democratic hack, uh, process was hacked. So so, by, so for first and foremost, uh, there was some type of manipulation Now the question is whether or not the Republicans knew. I also would like to uh, challenge that because we already know NRA officials were in Moscow during the campaign with the Kremlin agent Maria Butina. I've already talked to you guys about Had you been paying attention. Need we review some more? Okay, so what's come from Michael Cohen, maybe not rush collusion or evidence in terms of collusion in terms of maybe what the Russians might have did or what his involvement with the Russians may be And that I'm referring to as him being Trump and or even anybody else affiliated uh, with his camp. But guess what? We know he's covering up the holes. We know he was with them hoes. We know he was trying to, you know, silence them and that didn't work. So we know he's up to no good on across multiple fronts. So all that, no collusion, I I don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Um, definitely, we've already been knowing that uh, the Russians have had access to Republican files, Republican servers. However, they haven't released any of, the, of their information. But somehow they released all the Democratic findings and whatever good was bad coming from it. This is the problem. The Republican constituency has been calling for Hillary and many liberals' heads since, you know, Trump came on the scene. This was part of his uh, campaign promise. This hasn't been brought in. However, he's under investigation. His people are under investigation. This is what you call poetic justice. Now, meanwhile, this is what... Jeff Sessions, your attorney general, had to say, while I am attorney general, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political consideration. So that already tells you where he's going with this. I demand the higher standards and when they are not met, I take action. From what I can see is maybe there's a rift within, a politi- within our own, well, not within our own uh, party, but the Republican Party. You're starting to see maybe there's two different kinds or two different factions. I don't know, but definitely, definitely there's a hard line being drawn here, and it looks as though your boy Trump has crossed it. Now, I've been around now, mind you, I repeat, I'm I'm born in ninety-one, and so I've overseen at least what three presidents, Clinton. I I you know remember fully Clinton's second uh, term. I don't remember his first. I wasn't a I wasn't you know, around really like that. I do remember uh, Bush's two terms, and then of course we went through Obama. I've never. You know, and, and mind you, it wasn't that, like necessarily like George Bush was a great president, his damn self. And then we all know about, you know, uh Clinton, you know, he got he ended up getting caught up with Monica Lewinsky. Obama was probably the least drama field of the of the bunch, but his constituents was always into something. We all we you know, we found out about Hillary Clinton later on and however you feel about that is your opinion. Um now it just seems to me, I've never seen, you know, that's three presidents so far. I have yet to see a situation where just there's constantly, uh, something drama being found out after the fact. Now we're finding out that Russians were in contact with Republican officials. They were meeting up with them. They were meeting up with NRA agents in Moscow. Uh, you know, we're, we're finding out all this stuff about the Michael Cohen case. He was trying to pay women off. He was trying to keep women silent. So, you know, and then we have whatever Omarosa decides she wants to share. So and i never seen that. Now, with that being said, one thing I definitely haven't seen, which is a cause of concern for me, and I'm not even a fan of your boy, is the fact that his own attorney general ain't messing with him no more. To me, that's something you need to be looking at, because to me, that what I see here is a difference of opinion, and it's not even a difference, it's a, it's a schism almost. It seems to me that there's a schism within the Republican Party. And one thing I will say about the Democratic Party is, yes, they might have been, you know, the original racist party, the pro-slavery party at one time, but they've come somewhat of a way, and um, they've changed who they are. They've done it uh, throughout um multiple times in American history, they reinvented, re- reinvented their party. Uh, it seems to me that the Republican Party has stayed stale from for very for many generations and hasn't really progressed. And it, look, it looks like now, uh, Trump, I wouldn't say is a liberal in any sense, but he's definitely a modern uh, conservative. And I don't think he fits the mold of what even a Jeff Sessions or a lot of these guys were in... And, you know, and even his white constituents that voted for him were expecting him to be not to say that he's somewhat better, but he's definitely not your typical Republican. So you're starting to see these schisms here. And I don't think it's a good look. Not 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 for him. Not if he wants reelection. And the more we keep seeing stuff like this, ain't no telling what's going to pop out the woodwork in terms of what he's up to. Now, after some other news, we have prison strikes going off around the nation. Uh, inmates across the country and in Canada have uh, have been boycotting, voice, uh, sorry, have been protesting forced labor and other uh, unsafe living conditions. Now, the protest started in uh, Folsom State Prison out here in California when an inmate by the name of Erbieto Garcia posted to Twitter a video of him refusing to eat food and uh, basically describing why he's doing this. Now, they also, uh, these protests also spread to Washington state where, um, Oh not only Washington State, but then also uh, states such as Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Nova Scotia and Canada uh, this, the prison inmates in Nova Scotia pretty much sent out a joint statement pretty much uh, expressing their solidarity with their American brethren and pretty much uh, describing the te- the same situations for them as well in Tacoma, Washington, a group of uh, un- und- well a group of illegal immigrants who have been detained. Are are also, join in the protests as well, and have also expressed their uh, solidarity with uh, the rest of prison inmates. This will be a 19 day strike, and this will be the first prison strike in two years. and This is a result of a pro- another, uh, it was actually a riot at the Lee Correctional Facility in South Carolina that led to the death of several men. The strike is also to, to bring attention to the deaths of in- to many inmates in custody. Now, for example, uh, over the past three weeks in Mississippi, 10 inmates have died in their cells with no cause for death. Now, also, incarcerated activists have come together to uh, issue about 10 grievances, including the lack of rehabilitation services and also a lack of treatment for the mentally ill. So this is, you know, definitely there's there's problems with our prison system. And uh, people, you know, I guess because they're prisoners, And they're held down and, you know, they committed their crimes. You know, we lose you know we lose that shell of humanity for them and I think it's a little bit unfair and it it takes a story like this when I came across this story it it made me feel some type of way because I had to check myself and realize yes these people are humans they do have a humanity and at times we 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 uh, we forget about that for whatever reasons and we shouldn't these are still human beings and if you're if you're in a state like Texas you're probably in there for something you didn't do that's a true fact they lock people up without even really you know following really the, you know their their proper procedures and really investigating some a lot of times in texas a lot of people have been let go you know after long sentences just because there were so many you know rules not met so you know you've got to have some humanity in uh hearing this story and just hearing even as far as canada and halifax nova scotia prisoners were saying yes we are, we've been treated the same way. This is unfair. And, you know, it shouldn't be tolerated. And uh, I, I I thank the brothers for letting us know this is what's going on. Now, a similar group t- came together in North Carolina to uh, set out their own issues, uh, such as ending life sentences and also the use of solitary confinement. Prisoners, uh, in terms of their protests, what that's resulting in is, is uh, refusing to work, refusing to spend money on the commissaries, sit-ins, and hunger strikes. So this is serious business they obviously demand better treatment and you know what outside of maybe the ending of the life sentences thing I don't know how to feel about that one I pretty much I I, I see that and I understand that um, I, I've had people who've gone to prison or state uh, jail and or county jail and these are not places you want to be you don't want to be caught up in there and uh, this is a big business this is ba- basically modern-day slavery and uh, it's it's really messed up how these people are treated, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, in a way, and I hopefully they're able to make something work out for them. You know, um, as long as it doesn't get uh, super violent or anything like that, they sh- hopefully they'll be able to work something out and be able to talk to somebody because the treatment of everybody in general needs to change. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some sports. We're going to start off with the NFL. we got a couple quick stories to share there. Uh, we're going to go over NFC, the AFC North, actually, so we're going to preview them, and uh, we'll take it from there. All right, y'all. All right, y'all, so we are back, and I got another divisional preview for you we're going to talk some nfl here and today we're going to be going over the afc north so that would bring us to two more divisions left uh it'll be the afc south and the nfc uh, nfc south respectively uh so let's get right into it In terms of the standings last year in the afc north the steelers finished off on top 13-3 and they also ended up going to the playoffs and they ended up losing in the divisional round to the Jaguars and uh they had a previous year uh despite the drama in the beginning uh despite the drama they've been having for the past couple of years and then uh one of their best defenders their best young defenders uh Ryan Sayer he he was ruled out indefinitely uh because of injury the injury he suffered last year versus uh the uh the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, speaking of which they finished at number three. So that puts the Ravens at number two at nine and seven. The Bengals finished at seven and nine. And Hugh Jackson, for those of you know for those of you who really know your football, Hugh Jackson, oh, I'm sorry, that's the Browns coach. But what's there? Marvin Lewis, yes, he's still there, that garbage. And you know what? I'm not a hater, and I try to really give the brothers, especially a brother that benefited a doubt. And, you know, I'm all for him being empl- a brother, being employed. But he ain't really doing his job. I'm like, come on, man. Just years is just... Anyways, let's just finish the standings out. Of course, the Browns finish zero and sixteen. The second team to do so since the Detroit Lions. They had a they had a, a sucky year last year. There's no way you can get around it. Hugh Jackson, that's their coach. Yes, he's still there. He jumped into the lake. And, uh, that was part of his promise. I'll jump into the Lake Erie, whatever lake was around there. Cause if we go winless, and that's what happened. Ha ha. And, uh, well, the good thing that comes with that, though, is they get the first round draft pick. And they were get Saquon. I mean, not Saquon Barkley, but Baker Mayfield. So, uh, that's, you know, that's a good note for them. So they signed, like I said, they signed him to, uh, they signed him he was a number 1 overall pick they also got Jarvis Landry they signed him to a 5 year extension and they also got Josh Gordon returning uh from all his suspension and his weed drama so uh what i will say is they have a solid quarterback and they have a solid uh Actually, a pretty good receiving core to work around him. They got Todd Haley coming in as the offensive coordinator. In terms of offensive play calling, uh, he's one of the best in the league, so that would help them. They they do happen to have a solid rushing game, too. Uh, My question for them uh, definitely will be who's going to be starting. Now, I know people like Skip Bayless. If you don't know about Skip Bayless, he's one of the big-time analysts of the sport. Him and Stave and A used to go back and forth about it all the t- you know, back and forth on their show all the time. Now he has a show with Shannon Sharp, former tight end, and they do the same thing. And he'll say, you know, Baker Mayfield is ready. He's a god and all this blah, 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 blah. Personally, I wouldn't burn the red shirt. I think Tyrod Taylor is efficient. I think he can take a team, the right team to the playoffs. There's no telling what he can do. And what you what he can also do is uh it can work twofold. Let's say for instance he works his ass off, gets you to a decent uh playoff uh, you know, uh, maybe even a playoff spot. That's trade value for you guys if you decide to trade him. And also, if he decides to walk away, he has some uh value in the, in the free market. So, um, I think it'd be better to start him. I have questions about Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's really mentally ready for the seriousness of the game. I think people, uh, I think a lot of players you know, in this, in the, in the millennials, and I'll say in just the millennial behavior itself, like, I, I think we like the gratification that comes from everything. we like the, um, the accolades. We love the accolades. Of course, we won't, we won't turn over the money and the girls, but the real work is the question. I think really, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, a, a, a negative Nancy, but I would say 50%. Uh, I say our young men are really focused when it comes to really getting work done. Like you got to be really serious about it, and there's a there's a certain level of maturity at the have, especially with something like the NFL. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield has it. And I think if he's gonna learn behind anybody, he's gonna have to. It, it would be best to learn behind Tyrod Taylor, somebody who's coming there with some type of. um Notoriety from what he did in college, some buzz, but then had to basically build his stuff to get his st- stuff together because he wasn't uh considered to be one of the best at one time. And he still has that chip on his shoulder because, you know, that's why he's in Cleveland. You know, they rather would have had Nathan Peterman and a rookie than to have somebody develop like, you know, Tyrod Taylor. So that's, you know, they could say what they want, you know, in terms of Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's ready mentally. You know, I don't want to say another Johnny Manziel, but it, it, they play too similar for me, and they too have too similar dispositions Their dispositions are too similar for me to trust him right now. I gotta go with somebody who's who's been through the ringer, who know what it's like to compete, who's had to compete, and know, and has something a chip on his shoulder. I think I think Tyrod has a chip on his shoulder. He has something to make him play, and that's something that a twenty seven year old, twenty eight year old is gonna have, as opposed to a twenty three year old, especially at quarterback. So, my younger guys, you know, I'm not saying he's not ready, but he needs to, I I would redshirt him. Why not? And you don't know what redshirt means, it's just a college football term. He needs you to shout, sit out a year, work out, and learn the game. And I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. And and you know what? Really learn the NFL. I, I, again, just for the, the Browns' sake, I can't see another Johnny Manziel. And it doesn't say, for instance, you know, it doesn't really work out with Tyrod Taylor. You definitely know you got Baker. You can put him in at any time. I'd rather have that that, you know, I'd rather have that experience coming day one. You're in a, in a division where I, I why? Why waste the time burning the red shirt? Why waste the time just putting in a rookie? No, I wouldn't do it. I would. That's just my personal opinion. Now we're moving on to the Bengals. Uh, let's talk a little bit about them. Now the Bengals—they lost their quarterback, well, their backup quarterback AJ McCarron. They also lost a running back, Jeremy Hill. Now Marvin Lewis did get a two-year extension. Like I said, he's still there, even though they're average at best. Uh, Tyler Eifert will be returning this year from a major injury, so they do have some help in terms of passing the ball. But again, I don't see. Where they did a whole lot during the offseason. They didn't really add a running back to help them out. Uh, again, they have AJ Green, uh, Tyler Eifert is coming back. They have a couple solid receivers, and you know Andy Dalton is what he is. Is who he is. He's a he's a he's a good regular season quarterback. He's a quarterback that can get you to a playoff game, but not necessarily get you to win that playoff game. And um, with that being said. Right. I, I don't want to, to me, I think they, they definitely take a step back. And I think if the Bengals really want to start winning again, I'm not saying just get away, get rid of Andy Dalton, but I'm seriously looking at your boy Marvin Lewis. And I'm, and I'm looking at him like, mm, I'm going to need you to step your game up. Really, Marvin, you're going to have to step your game up, like for real, because uh, he's been there since about 2005, 2006, maybe, maybe even before then, uh, maybe, and maybe even, you know, a little bit after that, but just his tenure there has been so nondescript and so non-accomplished. And you figure, you know, that he just with that, just with that type of, um, you know, I wouldn't say just that type of continuity in terms of the coaching staff, you'd figure the team will get right. And he's been, you know, he's been with Andy Dalton for a number of years now, and it just hasn't it hasn't equated. So I I know he will be signed to a two-year deal, but if I'm Cincinnati, I'm putting him on the hot seat and I don't have a problem with firing them at the end of the year. Look for them to finish near the bottom. I think the Browns finished better than them. And that's saying something. I definitely and I you know what? I would want to say the Browns win the series this year. I, I think they sweep them. Just, just, just because. Now, now, that's, that's not to say the Browns win the win the division. Excuse me, I'm not gonna say that. But I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not a buyer of of Cincinnati. I will not I, the past years that I've been alive and and the years that I've been in f- football, I've never seen Cincinnati accomplish too much of anything. I'm sorry. I mean, when you got teams like the Ravens that win a Super Bowl every now and again, Steelers that have won the Super Bowl every now and again, you know the Browns. You know, they'll have an exciting season every five, te- five seasons, uh, you know. And it's just for the Bengals, the same thing. Well, we'll get to the first round of the playoffs, but we'll still lose. And we'll still lose ugly. So, you know what? Moving on. Let's go on to the, the Ravens. Now, we all know they drafted quarterback Lamar Jackson. They're looking for a replacement of Joe Flacco, obviously. Uh, if you look at his numbers the past few years and just look at what they've been able to do in terms of their record, you know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't, you know, been great. It hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been bad, but it certainly hasn't been nothing to write home about. But they did have receivers, uh, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Snead. And I will say in the t- in the cases of Willie Snead and Michael Crabtree, they, I, I wouldn't say they, well, I think in, with Michael Crabtree, they hit a home run because they got one of the, the more consistent receivers in the league. The Raiders, I, I don't know what John Gruden was smoking. I, I I would keep Amari and Michael. I don't I, see disposition doesn't matter when you're putting up that much numbers. I know he might not feel like he would have gotten along with Michael Crabtree, but I don't know. I just to get Martavis Bryant somebody. See one thing I will tell you about Michael Crabtree, he might have an attitude. He might have been throwing hands on the field, but he look at least he's gonna be able to play. At least he's gonna be mature enough to not get caught up with some like stupid stupid like some weed and get tossed out for three games. Cause some weed, cause he couldn't get his mind together. He, he's he's a football player, and I think John Gruden he whipped on that. That was a big strike, and that's gonna come. I think that's gonna come back to hardest. Cause I don't trust Jordy Nelson. I'm a Raider fan. I do not trust Jordy Nelson. I thought that was. I'll be the first person to talk shit about that. As a Raider fan, dumb move. But we'll see. Whatever. It angers me, and when I think about it, and think about who we got. Just think about who we got in return. Jordy, old Jordy Nelson, who's not this is not 2010. And then we get somebody who can't even stay sober enough to get through the season. Whatever. I I would have took the fighter. I'm sorry. I would have taken the fighter. Um and one good thing I will say before I move on from the Ravens is that they do have a they have a solid running back by committee situation. They have a few running backs that they're gonna be running this year. Uh Buck Allen is going to be one of them. Look for them to be able to move the ball pretty efficiently. They have a they've always had a good offensive line. So that's going to work for them. And you know, defensively, they're going to come to play. So if, if I were to look at it right now, let's go through the, and before I, I was, I would put them as a sleeper as of today, uh, or maybe even a dark horse, uh, somebody who can, who can possibly challenge. And I'll tell you why in just a second. Um, We're going to go through the Steelers real quick. And the, the reason why I'm not 100% sold on the Steelers is that they have drama. And I don't like teams that have all – drama. I don't like teams that have drama – They had drama with what they wanted to do with the flag and stuff. Then they had drama with Ben Roethlisberger talking about he want to quit and he want to retire. And I think his old ass should. I don't even think he's that raw no more. He's going to have to show me something different. I saw that playoff game. He got outballed by Blake Bortles. Well, Blake Bortles beat him. So, I don't really want to hear anything he has to say. You know, you got Le'Veon Bell. You know who talent-wise is probably one of the best running backs in the league. I won't take that from the man, but he don't even really want to play. He's more concerned about getting paid, and I don't think he's gonna have the same mentality going in there this year. Hungry, he's gonna fuck his shit up. Either he's gonna get injured, or he's not. He's not gonna produce, and he's not gonna get the contract that he wants. And he's gonna be even more frustrated. And he's gonna be asking, he, asking for a trade. I'm telling you. Now, another thing about the Steelers is they're going to have, like I said before in the beginning, they're going to have to replace one of their top young tacklers from last season, Ryan Shazier, former Ohio State cat. Now, they only got three guys uh, for the inside linebacker position that they're trying to, uh, to try out. They got Tyler uh, Mate- Mate- uh, Mate- uh, Mate- uh John Bostic, and Vince Williams. So, they don't really have a, a true starter there yet. They definitely have an OKD okay line. Their secondary, I, uh, I don't know. I, I have to see that I have to see a little bit of some preseason for them before I, I'm, um, I'm convinced. But they do have some, uh, some, pretty good outside linebackers. So, um, you know, I'm not. I think they got too much on their mind other than football. I really do. I really do. So. um You know, looking at it today, I'm still going to go for them as the favorite just because I don't see the Browns just outright taking the division. And I don't see the Ravens outright doing it. But I do see the Ravens as a dark horse. I do see a a, a Ravens team that could probably split a series, uh, the season series with the Steelers. And I see a Browns team that could probably catch the Ravens uh, and maybe split a series with them. I don't know if they beat Pittsburgh this year, but they're definitely a sleeper team. A team, like if I say finish, if we were to just go, you know, say today, I would say Pittsburgh finishes first, Ravens come in at second, and the Browns come in at third. So, yeah, I, I think they're much improved from the year before. I'll give them about, I'll be honest with you, why why not eight wins? Depending on how well they start off. Now, of course, that would be probably eight and eight in the season overall, but a lot better from zero and 16, all right, y'all, we got a couple more stories to talk about when we get back. We're going to talk about some college football, and then we got some NBA news. I told you the Clippers, they're on the move. I'll tell you where when we come back. All right, y'all, so we're going to wrap everything up for today. We got a couple more stories to talk about. Talk about, And uh, one coming from Columbus, Ohio. Now, college football season is coming up. And uh, we talked about the Big Ten a couple about a week ago, maybe maybe a couple of weeks ago, and uh, everything just changed. Now, I'm not too sure how much it changed, but let's talk a little bit about something here. Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer was suspended three games for not properly handing his uh, one of his assistants, Zach Smith's uh, domestic abuse accusations. An investigation showed that Meyer did not believe even believe the testimony of Courtney Smith, the victim, uh, Zach's wife, uh, despite incidents going back to 2009. Now, one of these situations in 2009, Zach was arrested for throwing Courtney up against a wall, but eventually the charges were dropped by Courtney. Now, he's also had various other issues throughout his tenure at Ohio State, uh, most of, most uh, notably, sexual misconduct, uh, not including to trying to offer uh, sex or you know some type of sexual favor uh, to a uh, student at the time working within the athletic department. Now, Urban Meyer not only hasn't disciplined this guy, but he's also uh, again. He hasn't even he hadn't even addressed these situations up until this up until now, uh, up until his eventual suspension. Now, this is a serious situation because, again, uh, we're looking at a top, you know, educational institution uh, that has some notoriety because of its football program and Urban Meyer being the head coach, uh, leading them to that point. And, again, you see a situation uh, where it's just like Joe Paterno in uh, Penn State. For those of you who don't know, Joe Paterno was a, a long-time coach at uh, Penn State football coach, at least about 50 years. And throughout his tenure, at one point during his tenure, I believe in about the 80s, he hired a defensive coordinator by the name of Jerry Sandusky. Now, throughout Jerry Sandusky's uh, tenure there, he had been ac- accused multiple times of uh, pedophilia. I won't get into every th- all the accounts there, but again, in a similar situation, the head coach, this time being Joe Paterno, was silent. He didn't say anything. He and, and there, and there, so and there, and you know, because of that silence, allowed behavior to keep continuing, to, con- to keep continuing, and in the same uh, case with Urban Meyer. He allowed his assistant Zach to not only keep assaulting his wife, uh, he also allowed him to get away with various other sexual misconduct on that in that institution. Now, it, only, it not only gives him a bad name; it gives the institution a bad name, and it brings a lot of scrutiny to the situation. Now, there's always these non- uh these these nuances of you know, well. You know they're a big-time football program. Of course, they're not going to get punished. Of course, they're not going to. You know, this is not going to happen to them. And and I and I honestly believe that we need to let that type of behavior go, because I think you know there is an issue of domestic violence, and I think that issue does need to be ratified in some way. Now, of course. Everything is twofold. Of course, she didn't press charges. We would, I would, you know, there's many nuances to all this, but again, you know, if I was the head coach or if any type of leadership position, I would need to at least address that situation and discipline accordingly. That never happened. It was Urban Meyer's job to step up at multiple points and tell him to either, you know, resign or suspend him for a certain amount of period to get him to get his stuff together. When you don't do anything, the behavior does not change. In fact, it might even get worse. And in certain counts, it for certain accounts, it did. It got very worse. Uh, it's up to the head coach to step up. Well, and not even just the head coach. The athletic department. Because there needs to be these these correspondences, I think once you tell the head coach, I would. I, and if I and again, once you tell the head coach and you felt like the situation was getting addressed, then I would go to the athletic department. So at some point, there's various again, there's various nuances here. And to be honest, a lot of people, um, I wouldn't say it should be left to blame, but there needs to be correspondence amongst all parties involved in the situation. If you bring a situation to the head coach, that's fine. That head coach, if he's not willing to stand up himself and take care of it, then he needs to go to the athletic department head. And if you know the coach doesn't do any of that, then the, the, the original person who brought the accusations forward should go to the, the head of the athletic department and say, well, I'll bypass that. You don't run the sports really anyway. You just run the players of the specific team." So at that point, I would just go to the athletic director then. But again, you know, there there doesn't seem to be any correspondence between all, you know, the between the administrative part and the actual coaching. Uh, and of course, between the two coaches themselves, the coach and the assistant, Zach, uh, Coach Meyer and uh, the assistant, Zach Smith here. So um, again, you know, Domestic violence is an issue. It's not something that we need to hide away from. Hide away from. It's something that needs to be addressed. It needs to be discussed on both sides. And it needs it needs to be on a lot of levels nipped in the butt because eventually this is going to come back to hurt Ohio State in some way or another. The coach has already been suspended. Coach Myers already been suspended for three games. Ain't no telling what could happen to the football team, but. More importantly, more important than that, this guy was beating his wife for years. And he shouldn't have been doing that. He shouldn't have been doing that. And because it wasn't addressed, now the football team may have to suffer because they don't have the leadership of one Urban Meyer. Because Urban Meyer didn't want to stand up in all the facets of his life and say, look, I need to be a man, not only in front of these kids, but in front of these other grown men, because I'm supposed to be the head guy here anyways because he didn't do that he's going to have to sit out and watch his team we'll hopefully hold their shit together so this is not and this is not the only you know bit of drama in Ohio state but since they win a lot they you know they they win their conference they go to the little playoffs you know they're always in running to win a national championship they you know it's not always a big uh big issue but you know we'll see You know, and like I said, they already have a new. They have a quarterback battle right now. They have a lot going on at Ohio State. Hey, if now's a if you're if you're a Wisconsin fan, I'd say hey, this now's a good time than ever to think about getting some tickets to the Big uh, Big Ten title game. I don't know if they can make it. Um, that's drama. That's drama that you really can't. I don't know, we'll see how deep it gets and exactly what happens, but a lot of times that's drama that you can't get out of. That's a funk that comes with that. That's a real funk that comes with that. Anyways, we're gonna end this up on some ba- uh in this in this uh with some basketball news. The Los Angeles Clippers have decided to move out of LA and move to the beautiful city of Inglewood. Basically a suburb, in my opinion, of LA. Um now, Steve Bomer decided to make this. move. Well, the lease is up for the Clippers in 2024 at the, at the Staples Center. So they're going to try to make the move uh, before then. Uh, it was going to be a eight, eight, 18,000 to 20,000 seat arena. And it was going to be in the same vicinity as the Rams. Uh vicinity of where they're playing at right now facility that they're playing at right now again like i said it should be open around they want to open it up around 2020 uh before the lease is up and uh steve Ballmer wants to pay for all this itself now vote was uh but the vote to allow the team to you know set up shop there it was done yesterday in inglewood so i don't necessarily have the vote for that but i'm pretty sure they probably went ahead and did uh, went ahead and went went with it if they didn't i'll notify you of that but more than likely it's it's more than it's more than you know likely in the next couple of years they'll be moving to um um sorry inglewood and i i don't know man i i guess i guess that los angeles you know prices are too high i would have just had a crosstown stadium i don't know i i mean to just to because i mean if i'm gonna if i'm gonna move i don't want to move out of la I mean, because Inglewood is is pretty much – I mean, no matter where you would go to, I'm pretty sure that whole city is Laker fans. You know, there's more Laker fans no matter what little pocket you go to in that city. There's more Laker – or in that area, there's more Laker fans than Clipper fans. So, uh, I say good luck. Um, hopefully, they can convince Kawhi to go there because Kawhi is still saying that he wants to go to an L.A. team, either the Lakers or the Clippers. Maybe that that maybe that's enough to entice Kawhi, um. But again, they had a shot to move it to Vegas, and I guess teams are very wary of Vegas. But I mean, why? Why? Like, I'm pretty sure people will watch a football team in Vegas. They already watched the hockey team. The hockey team was like two, or three games or wins from winning the Stanley Cup, so it's possible to make sports happen in Vegas. I'm not really a fan of them moving to Inglewood. That's just me. I don't know. That's not to me, that's not far away, and that doesn't distinct you enough from the Lakers. You got to be distinctive, you got to be somewhere completely gone, completely different, in my opinion. All right, y'all. So, we'll be back. Um, and when we come back, we're, we're gonna have that uh, young guns review for you, eight late 80s western for you guys with the Sheen brothers, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, Lou Diamond Phillips, those guys. So, we'll be back with that. Um, and also, of course, we're gonna go a little bit deeper into this Trump stuff. We're gonna see if uh, if I miss if is, we'll see if there's any more uh, missing links. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna monitor the situation you got going on with uh, Jeff Sessions. So I'll keep keep you guys posted on that as well. And like I said, we got a couple more uh, divisional previews. We gotta go over the uh, NFC North and also I mean sorry the NFC South and also the AFC South. So keep posted, y'all. I will be back. This is El Jamal and this is Never Out of Bounds. And I'm signing. I'm off for today. Peace out.